Hope you're having a good morning. So we are in a sermon series called His Heart, Our Home. Last week we talked about what Jesus meant in John 14 when he said, I am the way. We talked about how the way to God is plain to see and yet can easily be distorted um, with our perceptions and our judgment and our busyness. It can get clouded by our selfishness. And we talked about how we can fall into choosing our own way over His, and that we're all capable of that. And of course, this leads to all kinds of uh, trouble, because any path that's not the right path will lead to discontentment and, and lead to trouble, because it's the path we don't belong on. And so, where do we belong? Well, with the Lord, and that's what this is all about. If you would get your eyes on a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to go to John 14. Uh, We're going to be back in John 14 looking at the second part of what Jesus said of three things, second part of three things. I am the way and I am the truth. But let me read it for us again just to give us some context. Jesus is celebrating Passover with His disciples before He goes to the cross and before His resurrection. And, uh, of course, the disciples are troubled by Jesus leaving them, and he's explaining what's going to happen next for, for another time. And, and he says this, reading in Jesus' name. You ready? For the most part? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. The place of belonging, the place of contentment, the place of security. That where I am, you may be also. And then in verse 4 it says, and you know the way where I'm going, Jesus says. But then Thomas, Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes, no one comes to the Father but through me this week, the truth, the truth, the truth. Uh, I'm reading this book um, written by a guy by the name of David Hempelman Adams, um, and, and what the book is about, and, and this will tell you a little bit about what, what I enjoy, you know, reading, that sort of thing. Um, the book is about his solo, unsupported trek to the North Pole. Yeah, you're giving me the same look that first service gave me, like, What? Like, like he's going to walk or hike unsupported, on his own, without the help and aid of people flying, him, flying in to him food, that sort of thing. He's going to trek to the North Pole, okay? And I'm at this part in the book where he's talking about his struggles with navigation, all right? Now, I don't know if you know this, or maybe you do, um, but uh, there is what we call the geographic North Pole, there is the magnetic North Pole, and then there's the geomagnetic magnetic North Pole. Did you know that? Raise your hand if you know that, honestly. Be honest. Be honest. Come on. There, there, here's a picture. I, I'll just show you real quick if it wasn't already up. North magnetic pole, you see, and then the geographic North Pole and the North geogra- geomagnetic pole. I can't even get it straight. Anyway, seems complicated and that sort of thing, but that's it's really not and. And, and we're not going to get into it entirely. But anyway, um, if you use a magnetic compass, okay, 
and you're near the North Pole, one of the problems with the magnetic compass is that, uh, for one, it's not really pointing to the geographic North Pole, it's pointing to the center of the Earth. So it like literally will point down. Okay, So that's of no help when you get to the North Pole. And not only is he having trouble because of that, at this time he's not using GPS as we know it today. Not only is that an issue, because he is in need of using different navigation, he is trying to find his way by way of following the sun, but he's in whiteout conditions. (laughs) So the only way that he can navigate his trip is by hopefully at some time, in some point, seeing where the sun is and navigating that way. So, long story short, when he gets back to set up camp at the end of the day, he calls in to base camp and says, so where am I? On one occasion, he finds out that he had been going in circles the whole day. And the reason that's a major issue when you're doing a solo expedition like this is that's one less day of provisions. That is literally life or death. And so he's panicked and they're panicked. Uh, I use this to illustrate a simple point that he could not navigate it himself. That he could not trust his own tools. He could not trust his position by his own sight. He could not go by his own intuition. He could only get to degree north, the geographic North Pole, which by the way is not really a landmass, it's just floating ice. And so that's another issue is that this floating ice can float across and back and forth and so you could make it to the pole and not know you're at the pole or you wouldn't be at the pole because what you're walking on is moving too okay only to complicate matters worse but anyway that's for other another time another another teaching he could only get to degree north by following the guidance of the one who knew his true position Okay, let me just say it again. He could only get to the place he was supposed to go by the one who would guide him who knew his position. I want you to consider that as we consider what Jesus means when he says, I am the truth. I am the truth. That's what we're going to talk about today. Of course, you know that in our culture today, in an effort to seek clarity and find belonging and equity and peace and security and happiness, we are told that you can only find true north if you follow your way or your inner compass or you let your conscience be your guide. And of course, because of this, our world is calling into question absolute truth and all things that are transcendent. Which is why we are being told that the way to find clarity and belonging and unity and peace is by finding your truth. You've heard that phrase, my truth? Yep, is why I entitled this sermon, My Truth, Your Truth, No Truth. I mean, we've heard this, we understand this. But here's the thing, that is a problem. That, That is a problem. That if everyone decides for themselves what their truth is and follows that path, it will not take long for that 
effort to accomplish just the opposite of what we are really seeking to accomplish or what that particular person is seeking to accomplish. Another way of saying it is if all things are true, then nothing is true. Or if we continue to follow a path in which we're seeking our own and we're making it up as we go along, well, then that can only lead to chaos and disunity and confusion, all of those things. So again, what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the truth? This is an effort to, to, to say, this is, this is what I think. This isn't really an effort to say, this is us against them or me against the world. No, what did Jesus mean? That's what we're seeking to accomplish today. Of course, for as long as people have inhabited the earth, they've been asking the question, what is truth? You know that, right? Like this isn't like some new argument because we've reached some level of intelligence today because we just know more than they used to. No, this is an age-old question. It's really the same question that the disciples are asking Jesus. It's also the same thing called into question when Jesus later on here in the Gospel of John stands before Pilate and, and they go back and forth about who he is. Let, let me take you there really quick. John 18, just jump ahead if you would and I'll have the words before you on the screen as well. John 18, uh, starting at verse 33. Just look at there. Look there real quick. So, so Pilate entered his headquarters. This is Jesus on trial, okay? Jesus on trial. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? So it's, it's a line of questioning. And, and Jesus answered, and I love this, Do you say this of your own accord or do others say this about me? He answers a question with a question. Pilate answers, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? As if to say, I would really rather wash my hands of it. I don't really want to be a part of this, but I've been kind of called to do this. So I'm just doing it for their sake. Don't blame me, is kind of what he's saying. Jesus answered, and this is so profound and so incredible, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, I'm going to lay down my life. This is an act of my own will and volition. Well, I don't have to be here. I choose to be here. Another reference to His love and His grace for us. Then Pilate says, So you are a king. And then Jesus says, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world. And what is that? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate says, what is truth? Of course, to define truth would be to say, because this New Testament Greek, Koine Greek word is really 
synonymous with reality. Another way of putting it, it's the opposite of illusion. It's, it's the opposite of what is false. It's what is accurate. It's what is factual. It's what is real. Have you seen the bumper sticker that says, question reality, maybe? You know, I think in an effort to just sound really deep or, or really be seeking, in which we all do, we all seek out, and that's a good thing, but I think in an effort to be deep or sound deep or, 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 or question what should be questioned, people come up with phrases like this, question reality, as if we don't really know what reality is, as if you are maybe in this room or you're maybe not, that sort of thing. <laughs> but do we know reality? Beyond Jesus' claim that reality is found in Him, that, that true and sure reality like meaning and purpose and place and belonging are found in Him, that our, that our hope, that, that, that everything we look forward to, that everything we long for is found in Him, that belonging will not be found outside of Him. Beyond that, what Jesus is really saying here is, I am the embodiment or the fulfillment of the Word of God. Again, for this purpose I was born to bear witness, to embody the truth. First, first and foremost, what Jesus is saying is, you don't have to wonder who God is, what He is up to, what He is doing, what He has purposed. You don't have to wonder if it has been revealed. Jesus showed us. He said, I and the Father are one. He spoke to us in truth. He showed us truth. He exemplified truth. And His whole life was about this truth. That God is love and that Jesus would lay down His life, the greatest example of love, so that we could share in the grace that He has for us. This is what He means by truth. Of course, Jesus challenged those who needed challenging. He knows our hearts. He spoke to what needed to be said. He was brutally honest, not so much concerned with political correctness, but brutally honest with those who especially would lord their authority and their standing and their morality over other people. He was blunt. He was forthright. He spoke the truth. But of course, he did this in love. Uh, we could ask the question, what, what makes Jesus claim right and it's a fair question and and i guess in a deeper way it's also what the disciples are asking what Pilate is asking well we are able to see in hindsight i guess even more than that night in which he is before his disciples that the answer to that question is well no one has ever beaten death in the grave but him that no one has ever in reality predicted his death and burial and resurrection and then accomplished it. And you can question that. And yet in reality, if he is alive, if he is preparing a place for us, and one day we will stand before him, then we all have to deal with that reality. 
Do we not? I mean, we can follow our truth, our own truth. We can make it up as we go along. We can follow our intuition. We do. Our, our feelings, our desires, we can keep down that road. We can let our conscience be our guide. But our intuition is not infallible. And our conscience can be misleading. And we do not possess the power to conquer what Christ did. Something that doesn't need to be conquered again. We don't possess that power. He does. And if you need any more evidence, just look at any and every discipline we've ever failed at. Every shame and guilt we try to ignore or hide in our lives that drives us to seeking more and more and more and adds to our struggle with discontentment and unrest in our lives, seeking more and more until we find it. Yes, of course, Jesus is saying quite literally, I am the answer. I am the answer. This is why he begins with, I am the way. Because there is a way. I am the way to truth. The way is the operative word here for, for the other two of the three. Because he's calling us to follow, right? In other words, you don't know it, so if you follow me, you will know it. You will see it. You will experience it. And what that also means then for us is that if we're just speaking to truth, truth then is not merely a concept or a construct. And, and so it's not, I, I guess, good enough or right enough to just follow it as in it's just an oath that we agree with and then we move on with our lives. I mean, truth is not just information that you retain in your brain, and once you have it, then you're at a certain status level, unlike anyone else who doesn't have it. Which is certainly why Jesus said, knowledge puffs up. Because he knew that knowledge alone doesn't save anyone. Which is also why, if we only address things at an educational level, we'll never reach the heart. But that's for a whole other sermon, believe me. Jesus is the answer. It's why he says he is. It's why I talked about last week when we were talking about the way that he says, I am. I am, and there's so much to that that we're not going to get into this week, but I am, what does that mean? Well, Thomas asks an important question as it relates to truth. He asks, how can we know the way. How can we know? Same question that our world is reaching towards. Same question that on any given day we are ourselves reaching to. And the answer is plain and simple and yet so profound. I am. Here's another way of saying it. We can know the truth because truth is a person. 
In this way, truth is not a construct. And this is important for the church to understand and grasp because we too can so easily fall into the trap of making truth into something that is merely for agreement, something that is merely for us to have in construct. I'll give you some examples. Like using the truth or a semblance of the truth, real truth, bits and pieces of the truth, like our world is very good at, to manipulate or weaponize or accomplish our own agendas and desires or opinions rather than share the love and grace of Jesus. Like this example, we take our knowledge of what is true, our right doctrines of God's Word, And we use our theology to inflate our egos or our status or our position rather than it glorifying God. Or or this example, we take knowledge of what is true and right in moral standing to elevate ourselves over our brethren or our neighbor as if somehow we are better than them because of what we know. Oh church, we are not. We are not at all. Like having the right answer, but lacking grace or mercy. Like taking a stand on morality and holding it against someone who does not follow what we do to justify our lack of courtesy or kindness or even hate. That's hijacking the truth for our own personal agendas. Now Jesus told us and showed us that grace prepares the way for truth because we can do something by the book, like according to the rules, and still do it really poorly, or wrongly if that's even a word. Like, I can rightfully train up or guide or direct my children and discipline and do it in a controlling, selfish way, right? Like, like I can want what is best for my loved ones or my neighbor, but I can communicate that in an inconsiderate or self-serving way. Oh, consider John 1.14 as we close. And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. It is plain for us to see as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, to know the truth is to have a relationship with the truth. You've heard it before. And to have a relationship with the truth means that we follow the way and are obedient to His way as He guides, leads, and directs us. And what Jesus is telling the disciples is actually quite profound in that He is leaving. They will not see Him with our eyes, but by faith they will continue to follow because He's going to give them His Holy Spirit So by the way, just like I tell my kids often, if following your heart is following the Spirit within you, if following your heart is following Jesus because He is in your heart, then follow your heart. But if what is in there is your own desires and your own wants and your own agendas, then don't trust that because that cannot be trusted and I can prove that to you. No, follow Him. And how do we do that when we cannot see? We do it by faith as His Spirit leads, guides, and directs us. No, He didn't leave us alone. 
He left, but he didn't really leave. In fact, what he tells us, and we're going to get into this in the next weeks, is that he gave us something so much better, which is kind of a hard thing to grasp, because how could it be better than being in his presence? And if that is our belonging, we'll get there one day. But how can that be better? Well, we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. But that's what Jesus said. In fact, he said we will do greater things than even he did. How does that make sense? Oh, it only makes sense if you are guided and led by his Holy Spirit. Your true north. Your truth. But something that is not really yours, it is his. The only one who can declare that he is. Would you stand with me as we close? Would you stand with me in response to this truth that you can, if he is guiding, leading, and direct, directing you, that, that you can, if you are trusting in him as your Lord and Savior, that, that you will, but by the grace of God, if he is directing your lives. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? I'm so grateful for your word and how as we get refocused on the message that you have for us by your Holy Spirit, through your word, the Bible, we can know the truth. And the truth sets us free to go and follow as you would guide us. We're free because you are the one leading. We don't have to shoulder the burden. We don't have to keep trying harder and harder, which never works. But rather, we just open our hearts to your leading. Boy, that's freeing, Lord Jesus. And that is the way to contentment and peace. That's why you are the only way. Just as we are home when we are safe in the Father's arms and secure in you, that is the only place we will find contentment and peace in this life as we look to the hope that is ahead in you. Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive us. For the times we have used the truth for our own gain, and Lord Jesus, teach us, guide us, direct us to know what direction you are leading, greater trust in what you're doing, and security in what you've accomplished and what we will see face to face one day. Lord Jesus, if there is anyone here today who has never known the truth that you are, has never surrendered uh, to you, Lord Jesus. I pray they would not let another moment go by without entrusting their hearts to you. For those of us on this journey uh, that are struggling today because of things that we've allowed into our lives that we shouldn't, for those of us who are struggling today, Lord, I just ask you to clarify your goodness and your grace and the good news of the gospel that you have accomplished. Clarify that truth in our lives so that we can live in this peace that surpasses all understanding that you say, you promise, guards our hearts from all that the world is throwing at us, all that it is clouding with our judgment 
so that we can honor and glorify you, Lord Jesus, first and so that we can accomplish the work that you set out for us. We pray this all, Jesus, in your holy and precious name.